Appleyard is an American city planner and urban designer, theorist, consultant, academic and author. He works as a professor of city planning for San Diego State University in the School of Public Affairs and has authored articles in the emerging field of livability ethics. Ed Blakely is a former Washington insider, an internationally recognised leader in urban development and planning, advisor and author. Find earlier chats in this series by looking for Pacific Conversations wherever you find good podcasts or check out the website edtalks.com.au. Welcome, Bruce Appleyard. Now, that name is very familiar for me. (laughs) I don't know if I saw you in the halls of Berkeley when you were a child. I'm sure I did. Um, But your father and I actually had offices next to one another. And we spent a lot of time together over lunch and stuff. Um, uh, Your father made a great contribution to what I would call urban science, not just planning. Uh, a great scholar, and now the apple does not fall far from the tree, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> uh, well, Bruce Appleyard, uh, tell me uh, about yourself. Uh, where'd you go to university, and what'd right. you study, and that kind well, of stuff? You probably definitely saw me uh, running through the halls, uh, coming to get my father uh, in the evenings to get him to come home for, for dinner, and uh, so I was I was there often. I know uh, you were there. I remember I seeing some yes. kid running around all the time, but some little toddler. That's right. Yeah. And I knew my dad was doing some cool stuff with some cool colleagues. So that, uh, that, that spurred me on to do what I do now. I'm an associate professor at San Diego state university where I teach, uh, urban design and, uh, and city planning. And I, uh, I grew up in Berkeley, went to the Berkeley public schools. I went to Cal as an undergrad. Uh, I also got my master's uh, at the College of Environmental Design, and then I finished my PhD up uh, there in, right, in 2010. And uh, it's really great to be with you. So how'd you get to San Diego State? Oh, I was just hired from uh, after I finished my PhD at, at, at uh, Berkeley and uh, uh, was brought on by, by the uh, crew at the uh, School of Public Affairs. And uh, it's a great, it's a great uh, group of colleagues and a great group of students. I'm teaching a class right now called the Urban Scene, where I have students go out and do uh, uh, really masterful street, uh, street walking and uh, people watching. And it's, Sounds a, like it's Alan really, Jacobs. Uh, it's a great, that's right. It is a little bit of Alan Jacobs, looking at cities, William White, uh, my father's work. And uh, it's a great community to be a part of and a great city a great binational city to work in. Excellent. Uh, what's your general uh, work on? Is it streets or what? You, how do you characterize your scholarship? I would say streets, placemaking, uh, built environment and travel behavior. Uh, right now, I'm actually starting a really interesting research project or I've been working on it for the past year where I'm, uh, I'm working on having, uh, working with homeless folks and having them map their environment. So to map their everyday lives. So a good sort of Kevin Lynch style mm-hmm. thing where I'm capturing, you know, where do they get their food? Where do they go to the bathroom? Where do they get their needs met? What do they do for, you know, they, they all, a lot of, a lot of folks have, uh, have a little work that they do uh, to keep things, uh, to, to keep, uh, keep themselves going. And it's really been, it's really been a great research project. So again, sort of following the lines of, 
of Kevin Lynch and my father in terms of uh, this sort of image mapping. Mm. Are you doing it in San Diego or all over? Doing it in San Diego, Los Angeles, and uh, Carlsbad. Carlsbad? Why Carlsbad? Well, I just, uh, I, you know, I had a really great group of researchers, and one of the researchers during the pandemic was up in Carlsbad. So that's uh -huh. <laughs> Okay. Okay. But it, now, now, you've just finished a book. Uh, is this your first book? I, I, I wrote the Transportation Land Use Connection with uh, uh, Terry Moore and Paul Thorsness. Mm -hmm. So this, uh, I would say this is, yes, my big first big book. All right. Uh, it, and I'll have to say it was like, you know, it was my father's, it was an update to my father's book. Uh, it's about twice as long as the book is now. So it was kind of like editing the Bible and then writing the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's, uh, it's so such a, uh, which, was that Peter or Paul? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Bruce and Company. <laughs> Bruce and Company. All right. With the title of the book? The book is titled Livable Streets 2.0. And uh, uh, carrying forth, you know, it's a reboot of my father's original book, Livable Streets. Yes. Published, published in 1981. And sadly, he was killed by a speeding drunk driver a year later, and the book was never reprinted. And I kept, I, I kept having people ask me for a copy of the book or, or how they could get a copy. And I found out that it was often getting stolen out of libraries. So it was easy for me to convince uh, Elsevier, uh, the publisher, that, it, that an update was needed. And, well, uh, an update is really needed because yeah. uh, Lynch and your father and Jacobs have been the common stream in streets and yes. how we should make great streets. Um, so tell me how uh, and what your basic principles are in the book and how we could learn from them. And particularly now, the pandemic uh, streets need to be remade. Yep. And in an era which the car is taking them over the street. And absolutely, and, and reimagined. And I think the, uh, the real important, in, in my work on the update, I really was, I asked a lot of questions about the importance of the work. And what, what's really important about the work is that it's, it talks about how streets are for people, and I would add for our humanity. And it was really the first book to, to really make that case and really, uh, you know, it, in its, you know through, its, through the graphics of its research, uh, it, was, it really showed how traffic had an invisible harm on neighborhoods and community and community cohesion. And I have also recast the book somewhat to capture some of the essence of, of the different parts. And the main parts are conflict, power, and promise. So conflict, yeah, the conflict in the first part of the book is about all the research we, we have about the invisible harms of traffic on people. That's the conflict, that's the drama, the drama and the tension and the conflict between people and cars. Power, the, the, the you know, part two uh, focusing on power is really about the power relations between cars and people and also the political power relations in getting streets remade for people. And uh, how do we actually, the whole process of you know, catalysts and arbiters and, and beneficiaries and, and opponents, all these players in the, in the sort of the drama of, of recreating streets and reimagining streets. And then the third part 
promise is about how do we actually realize the promise of our streets? How do we actually remake them, reimagine them, uh, replan them so that they can actually work for people and all modes of traffic and one of the big, uh, all modes of travel. And one of the uh, big things that I've brought to the fore with in part three is a, is a stronger emphasis on bicycling, pedestrians and, uh, and building on my father's work on traffic comedy. Now, this, this is, of course, very apropos to today. The yes. pandemic has sharpened every one of the things you've talked about. Yes. Uh, and I'd like you to go through how you see that sharpening. Uh, I have my view, but you're the expert. Yes. Well, I would say that the pandemic has really shown us the, uh, the importance of, of things that are close to each other and, and of, of local actions. And you know, really sort of localizing where people are traveling and spending their time. And also, I think, uh, kind of also turning us towards the street and the public space that streets are. And our need for placemaking, accommodation, uh, whether it's to, to walk, to spend time, to relax with friends. And what I've been really, what's been really great to see is, is how many uh, places have reimagined the parking spaces to, uh, to accommodate uh, people sitting outside, engaging in social activity, uh, eating, uh, enjoying the outside. And, and actually it's, re it's really gone far to reimagine street space in, in this, along the lines of the book. One of the things that I enjoyed take it, uh, is the street space becoming uh, now the, dine the dining space. Yes. Redwood City, they closed yes. the street and put those platforms out and the yep. waiters and for the pandemic that's perfect yeah now yep. have outdoor space i one of the terms i love is streeteries streeteries yes streeteries yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and yeah, i always do some of that here in sydney but some of the <laughs> give me some examples of how the streets are coming alive now uh post-pandemic right well i think that uh we've had a lot of streets being closed off uh parklets being formed the canopies uh, that have been created to give people uh, shelter. And I think, uh, and, you know, but there's also been a lot of great things that people have done for bicycle travel, uh, protected bike lanes, mm -hmm. uh, closing off streets and make, creating greenways and bike boulevards. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of all the people also really took to, to bicycling during the pandemic as well. Uh, and saw the street spaces as, as uh, you know, an important activity space for them to travel and also get exercise. One of the things I enjoy in Portland, where you are now, is them parking the cars outside the uh, space where the cars used to be. And that car creates a barrier of other yes. cars running into you while you're riding your bike. Yes, it's, it's reprioritizing the street space so that the cars, cars are on the outside, uh, people are inside, uh, you know, there's sort of a, a nice kind of hierarchy that Louisville Streets and my father talked about, you know, it was one of the first to really talk about the, the hierarchy of pedestrians, bicyclists, uh, transit, and uh, then motor cars. And, and so are there been any, uh, now I've been in Santiago, Chile, and I worked there for a number of years. One of the things we did one Sunday was close off several streets and make kind of a road race for yeah. kids on skateboards and so on. That is now yeah. a thing. Every Sunday, every neighborhood tries to close off some of its streets and they bring food. 
Yes, no, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, streets Some are- Some going on in the US now? Uh, I think there's some places that are doing it. And I think that, um, you know, I think it's something we really need to adopt, especially in places like San Diego, where, where we recapture streets. I mean, streets make up about two thirds of our public spaces. So if we can actually remake them and reimagine them, we've done a lot to, to, to create a whole new environment, a whole new urban environment for our citizens. And what, what are, uh, what's the first move? Uh, is it closing a street or putting a bump on it? Or what, what are the first moves? And urban, well, I think, you know, commercial streets versus residential streets. How do you, how do, you do that? Right. Well, I think the, the sort of the story you're telling drivers is really important. So you can really start, I think, I always try to think about the low cost uh, kind of tactical urbanism approach, which uh, part of the book, there's a, there's a nice section uh, contributed by Mike, uh, Mark, Mike Leiden uh, about tactical urbanism. And how we can actually do things with, uh, you know, fairly effective with uh, potted plants, mm-hmm. balls, uh, signage, and paint. Uh, and of course, we could talk about the Berkeley example, where you know, base and and a big part of the book actually focuses on on the barriers that were put up in Berkeley back uh, in 1974. So you know, um, and they were they were temporary treatments. Sometimes. There's nothing more permanent than a temporary treatment. That's right. So, and they and they survived two voter referendum. Um, and they basically the idea was to create environmental areas in the grid, in the gridded uh, flatlands of Berkeley and protected a lot of those areas from a lot of the pass-through traffic um, that was uh, heading to the, you know, as my father would say, Berkeley was like a sieve um, and traffic was fall, falling through the neighborhoods. So we can actually use, um, you know, low-cost planners, paint, signage, and to, and to start telling a new story to drivers. And then we can start things like um, bulb outs uh, to help elevate the, the uh, profile of the pedestrian. We can start uh, doing uh, bike lanes and uh, protected bike lanes. And then we can start going to creating uh, bike boulevards. So those are the things I would think about. How do you deal, and this is my problem here in Sydney, with the damn bus companies yep. who, who don't want any change in the street because it means they can't do their bus stop? How do you deal with the bus? Right. That's a, that's a good question uh, and, a good, and a good constituent. And uh, we need to think about, uh, we need to think about designing for people and humanity before designing for the vehicle. So it might be a question of actually changing the bus design. But I think it's, a, I think it's, I think it's, uh, there's also a lot of good examples of just having good conversations with folks who might be concerned about changes to the street, like bus drivers and, uh, and, and emergency service providers. And, uh, you know, I think have a conversation with, with them about what you're trying to do. Maybe uh, have some test runs around the designs you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, and I think that's a way forward. So they, in Santiago, we had that problem because the buses are almost independent. Right. (laughs) Uh, Eventually we brought them up, but we asked the bus driver and they say, well, if you let me stop here and you get my passengers there, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we hired some teenagers to walk the old people to where the bus was. (laughs) And you know what happened? What? Teenagers got grandparents. 
Oh yeah, that's right. I never thought of that. But now <laughs> the old ladies were looking for the teenagers. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, and parents were coming up and said, this is the greatest thing that ever happened to my kids. Somebody could talk to him. I can't. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're probably experiencing that now. <laughs> that's right. That's that's what I, that's what I'm experiencing now. That's definitely true. <laughs> so 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 actually by doing this, you actually connect people up. Yes. Been on the same street for years and years. The pandemic's done it for us. We've lived yes. here almost 20 years. And now I know my neighbor's names. Wow. See, that, that's, a, that's a great thing. Uh, we live across the street from a park, but we never did it together until the right. law said we have to exercise in the park. So I exercise with my neighbors. Somebody brings right. a bagel. Somebody else brings <laughs> some cheese. And right. Your neighbors again. Right. You're, you're quarantining. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you use some good examples um, in your book? I know your father had examples, I believe, from Tokyo or someplace like that. Yes. Uh, oh, yes. He had, he had a whole list of examples that are still in the book um, from different parts of the world. Uh, and I, uh, I actually went back and revisited some places that he wrote about in, in, uh, in Barnesbury in England. Yeah. And uh, I use examples from, uh, from a lot of different places. I use a lot of NACTO design examples. Uh, you know, Portland, Oregon, Berkeley, California, uh, uh, England, uh, Paris. Paris is actually doing a, a remarkable job right now of turning themselves into a bicycling city. So I had a... a as, as my father taught me, I, I've, I've traveled around and just taken a lot of pictures. So mm -hmm. uh, in Paris, I was on, I was riding around on the, on the streets of Paris, capturing all the different things they're doing with life. God, he had pictures. He had pictures everywhere. Yeah. yeah. To get to his office. <laughs> well, you know, I, I now have all those slides and there's 30 metal cases of slides. Yeah. About, about 14,000 slides I, I have in my possession. So I'm, I'm hoping to, my next book, uh, I'm hoping to use some of those slides. Well, I think you should because yeah. he had great photos of, of people doing ordinary things. Yeah. Like yeah. to calm the street. Yes. Well, you asked the question, what could a street be like for old and young? And, and uh, you know, we really need to imagine streets. And he, it was really very powerful uh, statements that he made. Very A very poetic voice he used as well that yeah. I tried to maintain throughout the book. And, uh, you know, really asking us to reimagine streets, which is really a very special thing to do. So um, who are some leaders in this now? You mentioned Portland. What other cities are leading this? New York has done a good job. Actually. Uh, New, York, New York has been doing a good job. Uh, Portland's been doing a good job. Uh, you know, I think I, my, I'm, uh, we're working on San Diego to, hope, uh, to, uh, to really get things moving in San Diego. Uh, I'd say um, Minneapolis has been doing a good job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. has been doing a good job. Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, some nice examples from Washington, D.C. in the book. Any outside the U.S.? Oh, well, I mean, the ones that have really, uh, you know, stuck out that we should be looking at. Again, I, I would say Paris is doing a good job. Uh, but, but, you know, the leaders were uh, Copenhagen mm -hmm. and Amsterdam. And uh, I just think their mode shares are just, you know, amazing, amazingly high uh, compared to the U.S. Yeah, well, think, they, but they've been doing it for 50 years. Yes, that's right. Well, I think Paris is the one who's really coming onto the scene right now. 
they're really, uh, you know, the, the mayor uh, and Hidalgo is making a really concerted effort to uh, transform the city into to a 15 minute city. Uh, you know, 15 minutes from where you live is where you can find all your important uh, needs met. And, uh, and also, and really adopting bicycling as a, as a good mode of travel. And I think they're really taking off right now. And I think London, London for all the constraints they have on their city streets and their uh, you know, very windy, narrow streets is doing very well also. So uh, where do we go from here, Bruce? Um, the pandemic will be behind us. And if it's anything like the Second World War, you want to forget what it was like yeah. and move back to the comfortable stuff. Uh, and it took Eisenhower to say, no, this ain't right. We got to do some things to make a better country. And I think Biden's saying the yeah. same thing. Uh, well, I, and today yeah. we'll know whether there's any infrastructure bill. <laughs> yes, right, right. Well, I think we need to talk seriously about a kind of a, a bike superhighway network, similar to what, what we did for freeways and uh, mm -hmm. interstate highway system. I think we need to talk to, to really talk seriously about putting in that kind of infrastructure uh, in, in place so that we can actually really encourage bicycling. And I think the, uh, the promise of electric bikes uh, is such that it could really uh, expand to, in, um, to include many more people in, in bike riding. Uh, I think we also need to, to consider building, making sure that we're stopping sprawl and, and, uh, and, and single family zoning and really sort of uh, mixing our uses so, so people have the ability to reach, reach important destinations in a much easier fashion. And I think San Diego is actually a really interesting case study in all this because it's really freeway rich in San Diego. A lot of, a lot of interstates uh, throughout, the, throughout the region, but there's a lot of pockets of, of, of pedestrian activity and walkability that if we can sort of like reconnect these, uh, these different villages and neighborhoods in San Diego, by a bike superhighway system and uh, better land use planning, I think we can go a long way. So I, I think that's so what. What would a bike superhighway look like? Would it look like a a big a big street, or would it be yeah passy? What guess, would it look like? Yeah, I guess what I'm saying, I guess uh, bike superhighway might not be the right term. What I mean is basically bike connectivity through a region. Okay. So it's basically uh, you know making sure you've got good protected bike lanes, uh, but also reworking a lot of the intersections. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because, you know, when we have these freeways like we do in San Diego, we've got all these big, massive, high-speed interchanges that need to be navigated. And I think what we need to do is, is think about the, the, you know, sort of the bike infrastructure package that I'm thinking about really sort of reimagines these intersections, these interchanges in a way that uh, bicycles can, can bicyclists can navigate easily without, uh, you know, um, and really sort of turn things around in that fashion. Mm. And I think e-bikes make a big, uh, really are much more, can, can draw a bigger audience to the biking crowd. Mm. And I think we need to think about this going forward. An idea just struck me. You know, we're putting these uh, here in Australia, and I think the States and Colorado and places for the bears and animals to go under the freeways to connect right. up the, their ecosystems. We could right. have a bike ecosystem. We could. I think that's a really good way of putting it. So you go under the street or under yeah. the highway or a little right. bridge that goes over it. 
Uh, and it Absolutely. wouldn't take very much to do that. It, certainly, if you can put a, um, a light rail down the middle of it, you could put a yeah. bike lane there. That's right. I think I like that, the bike ecosystem. That's what we should be thinking about that. Yeah, uh, John, you know John Rennie? Professor John oh, yeah. Rennie? Oh, yeah, absolutely. John and I are good friends. Well, John was thinking about doing that in New Orleans when we were there. Is that right? Oh, wow. And we achieved some of it. Like we had bike-only streets. Oh, that's fantastic. And yeah, people who lived on those streets had to have a place to park off the street. Right. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I think we need to do. And I think that the what our infrastructure bill needs to kind of put that kind of money, put that interstate highway kind of money into this new bike ecosystem that I, mm. I think of that name. Yeah. yeah. Inner city biking system. I got it. That's right. The inner city. It, yeah, that's good. Because you're connecting up cities. Cities aren't that far apart. That's right. And it'd be easy to ride from, say, San Diego to Carlsbad. Yep, that's right. And the weather and the weather's not bad here for it. So there's and the no weather's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're putting one around the harbor here. Yeah. The problem with San Diego is is every every driver you encounter has likely just been on the freeway uh, moments earlier. So they're driving right. in sort of fast driving mode. So I think part of the bike ecosystem should be to try to moderate driver behavior. Uh, so it's not always in the freeway mode. And, uh, and the book uh, in the part three, uh, The Promise of Our Streets, really talks about different strategies to, to build up that bike ecosystem. Good. Uh, your, your publisher is? Uh, Elsevier. Elsevier. Uh, and uh, when you send me your notice, send me the whole thing so we can put it on the air. Oh, of course. Get some more buyers. Oh, yeah. Book. Uh, none of us academics listeners make money from our books <laughs> yes that, that's right doesn't uh, doesn't coffee doesn't co cover the coffee we drink no it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> uh but it helps us get tenure yes <laughs> and that's worth something um is your wife still teaching uh i my wife right now is not teaching uh, okay yeah yeah well Let's keep uh, in touch now, re-in touch. I think the last time I saw you, you were about five years old. Right. <laughs> I, knew, I knew how to run around the department. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And uh, so let's make sure that um, I get to know you more and better and spend more time. And interestingly enough, this new technology has made relationships better in yep. a sense. Uh -huh. You know, you'd wait to see somebody every three or four years. That's right. So let's make the uh, airline lane, air lanes and the bike lanes together. I will. That sounds great, Ed. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. To make sure you don't miss any of this series, subscribe to Pacific Conversations wherever you find the podcast and check out the website edtalks.com.au for more information. For weekly U.S. news and current affairs, check out Ed and I's other podcast, U.S. of Ed, also wherever you find good podcasts.